Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing really well, Jordan. It's finally here. We're finally talking Skyscraper this week. Oh, God, we have been waiting almost, like, almost literally a year to see this movie. Uh, I mean, was this, did we discuss this in our very first episode? It's definitely one of our first episodes that they announced this movie, um, and and we have followed it through all of the production when they cast Neve Campbell. We were there. We were following along. I almost feel like we we're a part of this movie. Like, we should have gotten some credits. <laughs> right. This is uh, as much our movie as it is Dwayne Johnson's, and he needs to know that. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to talk Skyscraper. As you know, if you've been following the podcast, we are taking a break this week from our Fast Family Summer Vacation to discuss Skyscraper, uh, which just came out. But of course, before we get into that, uh, we have to talk about our rock news of the week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Some exciting news this week, Jordan. First off, your jabronis have been taking little field trips. Jordan, you were on the NOLA Film Podcast this week, weren't you? That's right. I was on NOLA Filmcast. Uh, I was talking about, that's New Orleans' uh, premiere uh, film and cinema-related podcast. The hosts over there, Adam and Mike, they do a great job of breaking down uh, different movies. Uh, I've listened to a few of their episodes. I will say, uh, you know, we talked about Doom on our episode, which is coming out in about a week. Uh, it is a branching off in tone from what they seem to usually cover. Uh, we, <laughs> Charlie, just to give you a preview of our discussion, uh, the first, it's an hour-long podcast. I'd say we devoted about 20 to 30 minutes discussing Dwayne Johnson's erotic uh, abilities. So <laughs> that should give you an idea of what to look forward to uh, when Honestly, that episode comes out. That's not far off from what we do every week here. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I felt right at home. It was right. great. And I was invited on USA Today's Mothership podcast. They had an early look at Skyscraper, and I went there basically as the resident rock expert. And mm. we talked a little bit about his legacy, you know, his best, his worst movies. It was a really, really great time. That episode actually dropped this past week. The guys over there are super, super nice. Uh, but speaking of Skyscraper, Dwayne Johnson has been on TV all the time promoting Skyscraper. And I think he gave a really, really great interview to Andy Cohen at Watch What Happens Live. I, I feel like oftentimes, you know, when The Rock gives interviews, he doesn't divulge a lot of information. But Andy Cohen just has, he has the ability to get people to talk. Yeah, this is a really great opportunity to hear some things from Dwayne Johnson that, that, that we don't always get to have access to. Um, and you know, especially we talk about this all the time, but like the fast and furious beefs, I was, I have to say blown away by the amount of detail we were getting in this interview. Yeah. I mean, uh, pretty much everybody that called in and asked questions to Dwayne Johnson was asking about his, you know, beefs, you know, we have, uh, the beef of him and John Cena, him and Tyrese, and of course him and Vin Diesel, uh, just to break down a little bit about what we know, um, First off, he talked about Cena. You know, back in the day, about five years ago, he and Cena sort of had a little disagreement. They really played it up in the WWE. But we, what we found out was that really that started from a kernel of truth. 
when Dwayne Johnson left the WWE for a little while, John Cena gave an interview, um, and he, and he told the interviewers that he didn't think that Dwayne Johnson was ever going to come back, and basically accused him of turning his back on the WWE. Dwayne Johnson was not a big fan of that, but when it came time for him to come back um, and sort of start an in-the-ring beef with John Cena, that was sort of what they used as motivation. He says they're cool now, and he actually cast John Cena in a in a Seven Bucks production movie. Uh, Dwayne Johnson won't be in it, but John Cena will be starring, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we'll get and- we'll get John Cena in the Jansen directive, right? That's the uh, it's sort of like a. As far as I know, it's like a born supremacy type movie. So that's that's good. I'm glad that they've moved past it uh, and yeah. can make some some content together. I would I would love to see them uh, opposite each other. I think it would be fantastic. But one person we're probably not going to see him opposite anytime soon is Vin Diesel. Uh, in in one of the segments, Andy Cohen asked, you, "You're able to say, you know, I plead the fifth to one of these three questions, and one of the questions was, can you get into like." why you and Vin Diesel stopped shooting scenes together, what happened there, and that was the one that he pled the fifth on. So apparently he'll talk about, you know, he talked about all sorts of stuff. He talked about penile reduction, but he won't talk about (laughs) Vin Diesel's, uh, you know, beef. So whatever happened there must have been pretty intense. Yeah, I'm... uh... I I wish to be a fly on the wall of the Vin Diesel Dwayne Johnson trailer conversations <laughs> that must have taken place. Um, it's a bummer for Fast and Furious fans, but the thing is, and I think that we you know we've discussed this, Charlie. This new testament of Fast and Furious movies, they're Dwayne Johnson's movies, and I uh, have no doubt in my mind that Vin Diesel you know took offense to that, uh, and so I see where there's the creative differences could have come from. So not surprised uh, in the slightest. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and unfortunately, it seems like that could even extend to Fast and Furious 9. He was asked that question, are you going to be in Fast and Furious 9? What's the deal there? And he sort of, he deflected, but he also, you know, didn't sound too optimistic. He said, oh, I'm not too sure because it's being written and all that is up in the air. But at least, you know, they're branching off and we're going to get the spinoff. Speaking of the spinoff, he gave a, divulged a little more information about Idris Elba. He says, you know, they've been talking about working together for a long time. He's going to be the main bad guy in Hobbs versus Shaw. Jordan, what do you think about this casting? Oh, I think it's a great choice. It is, um, you know, Idris Elba is one of these, one of the only people that I think makes uh, perfect casting sense uh, to play against Statham and Dwayne Johnson. He's going to bring that charisma. He's going to bring, um, which I, something what I think is important is the physicality uh, to be able to actually square up against these guys. And honestly, I I love the choice. I'm very excited. I we have been kind of getting uh, you know piece by piece, uh, morsel by morsel information about Hobbs versus Shaw. This is huge, and I love the direction that it seems to indicate this movie is going. What about you, Charlie? What do you what do you feel about this casting? I mean, it continues to show that anytime any big name actor in Hollywood wants to have a little bit of fun, they like join the Fast and Furious franchise. We saw <laughs> so that. true. We've seen that over the past three or four movies. And, you know, I feel like we just keep stacking up these gigantic big name actors that have, you know, Academy Award nominations and, you know, in Helen Mirren's case, uh, many Academy Awards. Very briefly here, uh, Dwayne Johnson was also on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he talked a little bit about his um, 
political aspirations, and he completely put the kibosh on any 2020 run. He said just logistically, it's not possible. And furthermore, he just needs experience. That was one thing, you know, that's a that's a distinction that I feel like a lot of celebrities that whose names are being thrown around to run for president, they, they're not coming out and saying this, you know. Um, I think that's a lot of people's problem with Donald Trump is that he had absolutely no experience. And Dwayne Johnson understands that, that to be president, it's a hard job. You know, he says he's continuing to get experience learning about policy, meeting with campaign directors. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll see him in 2024, 2028. Who knows? Maybe somewhere down the road. Look, Charlie, <laughs> here's the thing. Don't believe the hype. Dwayne Johnson is running in 2020. Of course he's not going to go out on Colbert Report, the daily uh, late night with Stephen Colbert, and say he's running. This is a guy strategically, step-by-step, making it as natural as possible. There's going to be an event where Dwayne Johnson, you know, he's been saying, I'm not running, I'm not running. And then, you know what's going to, something will happen, and Dwayne Johnson will say, you know what? There, this is the time I feel compelled to run, to do this for the American people. And you know what? Not just the American people, but the people of the world. And when he <laughs> does say that, I will be here on this podcast <laughs> so smugly looking at you from uh, however many states away we are uh, in this phone conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He could step into like a reluctant savior role and that would even be that put him in a more positive light. I could see a situation if Donald Trump either gets impeached or quits for any reason that in 2020 the fever pitch could grow and people could clamor for the people's champion, the people's elbow, mm. and the people's president. Um, I could see that situation happen. So maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something. But that's all we have for news this week. Which means it's time to talk about Skyscraper. And as we say every week, that means it's time for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today, we are taking a look at Skyscraper. It officially comes out July 13th, 2018. That's today, the day we're recording this podcast. Charlie and I, we both saw this last night, a little special sneaky Thursday preview. Uh, Skyscraper, if you haven't been listening to our show, uh, if you haven't been on the internet in a few months, it's an action uh, crime drama. It came out again yesterday. It's PG-13. And... Written and directed by a guy named Rawson Thurber. Uh, If that name is familiar for any reason, uh, first, I'm very impressed in your cinematic knowledge. Uh, But he directed and wrote Easy A, uh, Dodgeball, you know, the the Dodgeball. Uh, And he is uh, attached to a future Dwayne Johnson movie, Red Notice. So this is a guy um, that is both in Dwayne Johnson's universe, uh, but also has some serious, you know, film and writing chops to his pedigree. So, uh, Charlie, with that in mind, did Skyscraper, just an opening, you know, just your initial thoughts. I know we had a lot of time to think about this movie, a lot of hype, a lot of ups and downs in our emotional investment. Um, <laughs> what, what's just your opening take on Skyscraper? I got to say, I really enjoyed it. I'm not really sure where my expectations were. I felt like they fluctuated with the tides um, or the lunar cycle, <laughs> they came and went. You know, when this movie was announced, it kind of seemed lame, especially with the name like Skyscraper. But as we, you know, started hearing things coming out of production, seemed a little more promising uh, when they cast Neve Campbell. I really liked that choice. You know, it's an age-appropriate uh, 
you know, female character that could square up with Dwayne Johnson and compete with him beat by beat. And then when we found out on the Super Bowl teaser trailer that he'd be playing an amputee, my God, oh my gosh, my (laughs) mind was blown. I mean, that is something not even close to anything that we've seen Dwayne Johnson do in the past. So yeah, my expectations were kind of high. And I got to say, they lived up. Jordan, I know you liked it, but how much did you like it? Charlie, when I tell you uh, that <laughs> that this movie, for me, Dwayne Johnson, we've covered a lot of movies that I love that he's done. I love the Fast and Furious movies. I loved San Andreas. I loved, just a few short months ago, Jumanji. When I tell you that Skyscraper put so many of these movies to shame, Skyscraper was the uh, epitome of what... I've kind of always in my mind envisioned a perfect Dwayne Johnson movie could look like. I think it hit a lot of these high notes. It blew me away. I had high hopes for this movie. It exceeded my expectations. I am so excited to talk about it. And honestly, the world is a better place for having for this movie having <laughs> been made. I, You know, I find myself agreeing with you. I think that this is almost a snapshot into what Dwayne Johnson's career could be for the next 10 or 15 years. He's getting older. You know, he's definitely not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he can't be the big, bald, macho man in the room that's going to beat up everyone that looks at him wrong forever. And I thought we saw a side of him in this movie that I've never seen before. I thought his acting was fantastic. It might be, I mean, I'm going to consult my list here, but it might be the best acting we've ever seen from Dwayne Johnson. Oh, so God, we have so much to talk about. Let's just give uh, a very quick like synopsis of what this movie's about uh, so we can kind of get into the meat here because geez, Louise, Charlie, I am stoked to discuss Skyscraper. So let's just get a, a general idea. Former FBI hostage rescue team leader and U.S. war veteran Will Sawyer now assesses security for skyscrapers. He's on assignment in China when he finds the tallest, safest building in the world suddenly ablaze, and he's been framed for it. A wanted man on the run, Will must find those responsible, clear his name, and somehow rescue his family, who are trapped inside the building above the fire line. Charlie, that's a pretty short and sweet synopsis, but that's pretty much what we're dealing with here. Yeah. I mean, this movie is so formulaic, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that, like, it's the pinnacle of how one of these summer blockbuster action movies can be. There's nothing that is introduced in the first part of this movie that doesn't come back. But I really liked how there is a serious relationship between cause and effect here. I mean, everything that happens, you can see why it's happening. You can see how it's going to move the plot forward. Um, Nothing happens here that's extraneous, I think. No, this is one of the first times in memory um, for a Dwayne Johnson movie that just about every single beat, every line of dialogue matters. Uh, There was no fluff. I remember when we talked, you know, before this movie came out, uh, I was a little nervous about the length of the film. Uh, I was, it's a, an hour and 42 minutes and I was, you know, is there going to be bloat? Is this going to be plot lines all over the place? For the most part, I thought there weren't, and I thought that it was pretty clean. Uh, and like you said, you know, unlike something like Baywatch, which just gives you 
you know, one-liners for the sake of one-liners, uh, side plots for the sake of, of physical gags or, um, you know, a, a joke that gets mentioned one time for the sake of that moment. Everything or in Skyscraper. Jokes, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, everything in Skyscraper, Skyscraper came back to matter. I thought it was so well done. Just Yeah. I ugh. mean, was this movie silly? Yeah. Was it kind of dumb? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was everything that I needed from a movie like this. And honestly, it might just be it might be the best straight up action movie, non Fast and Furious category that Dwayne Johnson has ever done. I mean, yeah, sure, there were some ridiculous things like I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But there is a literal hall of mirrors in this <laughs> yeah. uh, movie, and for some reason, I found myself not really caring. Yeah, there, the the strengths of this movie elevated it past a lot of its kind of weird, kind of goofy um, issues that you know plagued lesser movies. Um, let's talk. I think we should just begin with maybe the elephant in the room. This movie has sort of billed itself as a diehard with Dwayne Johnson minus one leg. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about the way that Dwayne Johnson portrayed this war veteran turned amputee? Like, wh- how did it work? His performance having to portray uh, having just one leg. What did this? How did? What did it do for you? A lot of the characters that Dwayne Johnson plays fall into the category of skilled professional, and oftentimes that is somebody with a military background. So when I found out that he was going to be playing yet another uh, military. Or, or army veteran, I, I thought, okay, well, you know, that's not very imaginative. We've kind of seen that before. But he played it in a much more nuanced way. I mean, Will's character, his biggest problem wasn't the fact that he was missing a leg. His biggest problem was what was going on in his head. You could totally tell that he was unsure of himself, that maybe he was suffering from some form of PTSD. Um, and you could see him battling that throughout the movie in nonverbal ways, in just The Rock's facial expressions. Yes. And this is, we enjoyed his acting in Jumanji because he got to play so against type. And that showed us, you know, a completely different side of him. I think that this did as much as Jumanji did, but sort of in his wheelhouse. Absolutely. This was a dramatic, at times like almost haunting kind of performance. I mean, this is, as, as weird as it is to say, Dwayne Johnson played a fairly nuanced version of someone suffering from PTSD. And we saw that uh, in every kind of circumstance from not wanting to, to, to engage in combat or, or fire a gun, um, uh, a fear of, you know, the heights, even this movie, it's a, you know, for a movie called skyscraper, you can imagine it takes place up in the sky. Most then there's a lot of uh, like vertigo and, and real fear. So much of what we love about a lot of Dwayne Johnson's movies is that he's this superhero. Um, but in Skyscraper, he's not. He's the man of steel uh, after he's been you know, exposed to kryptonite. There's a, a vulnerability and a fragile uh, fragility that Dwayne Johnson brought to the role that is incredible, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought it was great as well. Maybe we should just start at the top. We get a little bit of a backstory on Will's character. And this is something I've never seen in a movie before. But it goes, 10 years ago. (laughs) Like, usually there's, like, some kind of dateline. Like, it sort of dates itself. And maybe that's a a good move by a movie like this to not really put it in a place in time. But typically, I don't know. I feel like we would get a dateline, like 2008 or 2009. 
But yeah, this says 10 years ago. So I thought that that was funny. But, you know, we get to see the accident that left Will with only one leg. You know, once again, he was trying to save. I, I mean, honestly, you could say that he failed to save this family in the first 10 minutes of this movie. And he was sort of redeemed at the end by saving his own family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it get, it's, God, I mean, it's it's the cause and effect. This movie takes you full circle. It does. And I, and you know what? I appreciate it. We get the backstory because everyone's wondering, right? They answered probably America's number one question, you know, what's the deal with the leg? They get it out of the way in maybe 10 minutes flat. And immediately it makes sense uh, from the beginning. You know, we get his character struggling to sort of put pants on and we watch him literally strap in the prosthetic leg. The depth of his character in, you know, what could have just been such a throwaway you know, hazy flashback, it it provides emotional depth, um, which I, again, you don't see this in every Dwayne Johnson movie. No, you see them in very few of them. Uh, but when we flash back to present day and we see him sort of getting ready before this big presentation that he's supposed to give to the builders of this, of the skyscraper, it's one of my favorite things in movies. And it's something that I don't think that really happens in real life. He's getting ready. He looks at himself in the mirror and then like he pops a couple of pills and swallows them dry. Like, have you ever done that? No. Uh, that (laughs) is a bona fide choking hazard and I won't have it. (laughs) No, sir. Well, have you ever like taken an aspirin and realized that you don't have water immediately available? And then, like, that gross taste in your mouth. Like, I feel like that scars me for months. Sure. And maybe I'm just, you know, I see I would never be a Will Sawyer because I couldn't handle that. No, well, that uh, goes if, without if saying that we are, we are weak-willed boys is the first thing <laughs> that everyone needs to be aware of. Um, but we also, we, we meet Neve Campbell in this scene. Uh, Jordan, what, you know, what can you tell us about her character? Well, I can tell you right off the bat that Neve Campbell is one of my favorite actresses of all time. Uh, Scream <laughs> 2 is legitimately one of my favorite movies. I love the Scream series. I love her performances. And you know what? She makes sense as a partner to Dwayne Johnson. They look... This isn't the kind of thing where, you know, you have like Tom Cruise paired up with a, an actress like 30 years uh, younger than them. Like they, they look so perfect together. Um, yeah, so I, I would believe them as a real life couple, and her character is uh, like an army surgeon. So it's not she's not some damsel that can't do anything for herself. You know, she patches Dwayne Johnson up uh, throughout this movie. She helps her kids, and then we even see her get into a fight and more than hold her own. She's a strong female character, and we, you know, in these later Dwayne Johnson movies, we're seeing a lot more of that. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a a whole new angle for what Dwayne Johnson brings to movies. One thing that is kind of an older Dwayne Johnson trope that we get a lot of in this is this sort of paternal, uh, you know, very fatherly aspect. And in this movie, that's uh, no different. He is the the father to two children, a a young boy and a young girl. Um, How did you uh, feel about his his portrayal as a father in Skyscraper? This is something that we've seen before, obviously. Um, I think the only difference here is that he's got two kids. I feel like in most movies that we've seen him be a paternal um, influence on children, it's usually a a young girl. Yep. So, you know, we've seen this, and it gives us another great line. Daddy loves who? Daddy loves who? (laughs) So that that came up a lot, and I, you know what, let's just add that to the pile of Dwayne Johnson catchphrases. So, you know, I, I really like that. We see... 
Um, this whole movie set up, you know, his his family has joined him on this trip to Hong Kong. We understand that he is a security expert, but kind of a small time one who works out of his garage. But yet he has been given the contract to um, determine the security risk factors of the Pearl, which is the new tallest building in the world in Hong Kong. So what do you think about the skyscraper here? Okay, well, the skyscraper I loved. Okay, I love the idea of this movie, so much of it taking place in a single building. It's a vertical city. Um, There's like separate biomes in the skyscraper. Um, It felt a little bit to me like that movie... Uh, that took place on a train. It was like sort of apocalyptic. I'm blanking on the name, but it was Snowpiercer. Yes, that's exactly it. But but a vertical version, of course, not so. You know, the social implications of this movie <laughs> are far yeah. less than Snowpiercer. So the building itself, as a as a set piece, is so cool. And we're gonna talk. We're gonna work our way through each of the ways that Dwayne Johnson interacts with it. But to set to really kick the plot in motion, you know, Dwayne Johnson has this initial meeting with the the architect of the building. Um, and they kind of go through the safety measures of, uh, you know, what can and can't go wrong with the uh, the skyscraper. Soon after that, this group of terrorists infiltrate the building and uh, they end up taking over the system uh, that kind of controls everything. I mean, from basically what we find out is the entire building is controlled by an iPad, <laughs> which, you know what? We had a problem with uh, in Rampage when he was able to hack through a thermostat to control the building. But for some reason, the way they set it up in this movie was way more effective, even though it's you know not quite believable. I, I, I still bought it, and I, I rolled with it. Uh, but pretty much, yeah, uh, terrorists steal the iPad and uh, start infiltrating the building and eventually set it on fire. Yeah, and that kind of gives us, you know, this sort of, this puts the movie in motion. Dwayne Johnson is not in the building. Uh, his family is. They're up on like the 96th floor, something to that effect. He sees on TV that the building is on fire. So he rushes across Hong Kong to get there. And, you know, yeah, of course, you can't just like walk your way on the front door. He needs to get above the fire line. And if you've seen the poster for Skyscraper, you already know there's an iconic jump from a crane happening. Uh, well, guess what, folks? <laughs> it's happening within the first 25 minutes of this movie. You know, when we first saw the teaser poster, the crane and the building were so much further apart than they were in the movie that it seemed ridiculous. But for some reason, you know, the way that they actually pulled the stunt off, I thought was really cool. Yeah, oddly enough, it felt very plausible. Uh, the jump itself, I should say, because the act of Dwayne Johnson climbing the crane uh, which he does. <laughs> that did not seem as plausible. To he me. climbs ninety six stories in ten minutes. I don't know. I mean, time is kind of hard to track. Uh, this all happens in one night, of course. But uh, yeah, the fire starts like as the sun is setting, and pretty much it's still dark at the end of the movie. So it can't <laughs> be that long. Like I feel like to climb up ninety six stories on the outside of a crane would have taken all night. I mean, he was like that raccoon that climbed that building <laughs> I, I, to climb 90 a human being climbing 96 stories like that seems that's that should let you know right off the bat what we're getting ourselves into um he ends up getting up there like faster than it takes a bunch of police to get up there in an elevator uh right because he is somehow <laughs> 
he's wanted in connection with the hijacking of the building system because he's the only other one with an iPad. Um, so yeah, they put out, you know, Hong Kong police puts out a call that, you know, Will Sawyer is wanted, uh, in connection with the building fire. And I actually really like the fact that he was found almost immediately because he would stick out like a sore thumb (laughs) in Hong Kong. Like as soon as it goes up, as soon as it goes up on TV, everyone looks at him. So I love that. It was amazing. And it, it also gave us this opportunity. It set up like the crowd, like as much as we were an audience watching the movie, this crowd that gathers outside the skyscraper, like we were watching Dwayne Johnson with them. Um, almost for every single stunt that happens, we get a reaction shot from the crowd, which I loved. Um, yeah. And God, it mirrored how I was feeling. Um, it told us how to feel. It was the audience surrogate. Is it a cheap piece of movie making? Sure, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, didn't hurt me in the slightest. I loved the scene um, when they showed the crowd cheering and one of the police guys who's like monitoring everything after Dwayne <laughs> Johnson makes the jump, he goes, yes. Yeah, he gives I don't know. A and then he gets bump. reprimanded by his boss. Yeah, well, this movie, it somehow balances the, the, the drama that he brings with these lighthearted moments, but in a non-cheesy way. So now Will is in the building, but he needs to find his family. Uh, and and Neve Campbell has taken the children and they're moving uh, upward to get above the fire line. So Dwayne Johnson meets them essentially at the atrium of this building, this gigantic multi-story, basically jungle within the skyscraper. Um, they see each other across a broken bridge. But Charlie, uh, this wouldn't be a Dwayne Johnson movie if they could just easily meet up. <laughs> no. No, uh, essentially to bridge the gap, Dwayne Johnson has to grab the support um, <laughs> cables and hold up the bridge while Neve Campbell rescues one of their children. It is, it's crazy. And like I said, this movie is so implausible, but for some reason, the way it's structured, I'm on board and I'm not questioning it. Yeah. Oh, and and it it just, it looks real. The emotion is real. The fear is real. Also, the graphics are are uh, uh, crazy bananas in this. We get like flames. It reminded me of the Lion King when they're in Scar's fortress at the end. <laughs> like there's just like it felt like lava was <laughs> surrounding them. So yeah, cool. that's crazy. What it reminded me of is the scene in Fast Seven where uh, Vin Diesel is holding up the car for like 20 minutes. Oh yes, that's a yeah. Oh yeah. exactly. When, when they're in up the in, sc- the in the skyscraper. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, I that's what this movie was, was just like self-contained in that one skyscraper. Um, but for some reason, I feel like him holding the bridge up was more believable. But I, I, I thought it was great. Neve Campbell um, showed that, you know, she's that Dwayne Johnson is not the only hero of this movie. Uh, and she saves the kids. And uh, Dwayne Johnson puts the kids and his wife in an elevator. And I thought this thing was like, I, did you fully understand how he got them down in the elevator? Nope. This was vague. <laughs> this was confusing. But again, it happened so quickly. It's basically he throws them down there in an he he like slices the cable of an elevator with a with an axe and then says, Neve, you have to pull the emergency brake in a given amount of time and that yeah. will somehow keep you from plummeting to your death. Yeah, I guess. So one of the things that was explained earlier in the movie is that this is a super fireproof building. And even if they're is a fire going off 
in the top half of the building, the bottom half of the building would be 100% safe and can continue to operate. So essentially the top half of the building is on fire without electricity and the bottom half is operating as if it were <laughs> a normal day. So she has to get below the fire line and then pull the cables because you know they still have power. It's a little convoluted, but like I said, I'm on board. Yeah, uh, and and it's a good thing that we're on board because the plot of this movie, his family is now mostly out. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. Dwayne Johnson's son and his wife are out of the building. Um, the same time that he's able to save them, throwing them down the elevator shaft, the bad guys of these movies, this kind of like generic, sort of like, like Irish accented, uh, generic bad guys, they've stolen Dwayne Johnson's daughter uh, and taken her away in the skyscraper. So Dwayne Johnson's not able to escape. He has to keep going deeper in uh, to find his daughter. And Charlie, this kind of leads me to a question I have for you um, because, you know, his work is still cut out for him. And that is, what's the deal with using duct tape uh, (laughs) as like his primary tool to save his daughter? Yeah. To me, that did seem like a a glaring thing. I wasn't really sure. So at some point he is, uh, he's, He's getting battered and bruised during this movie. And that's actually something that I like. Once again, the relationship of cause and effect, I I like. You know, something happens to him. He doesn't walk away from it without being injured. He's constantly having to patch himself up. At one point, he pulls a piece of glass out of his shoulder. Seen that before, by the way. Seen that a million (laughs) times in Dwayne. San Andreas, same exact. I'm convinced it's the same video shot, actually. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so as he's patching himself up, He says this line. I wrote it down because I I was baffled, but it ended up paying (laughs) off. If you can't fix it with duct tape, then you ain't using enough duct tape. (laughs) And he says that out loud to himself. Uh, But it ends up, you know, coming in handy because he uses duct tape in a couple of different situations. So essentially what the bad guys are after, the architect of the building. Um, And it turns out... (laughs) Not to, you know, get too into the weeds here, but the architect of the building went into business with some bad dudes to get the building finished. And in doing so, he created a contingency plan and he hacked their bank accounts and it's all on one hard drive. And so these terrorists are after this hard drive, which is in the safe of the architect. (laughs) So the, uh, the terrorists have Dwayne Johnson's daughter and they said, you need to get that the hard drive for us, otherwise we're going to kill your daughter. And meet us on the roof. Right. So Dwayne Johnson keeps moving upwards to, you know, get that thumb drive and then get his daughter back. But to get to the architect who has locked himself in an impenetrable penthouse uh, room, Dwayne Johnson has to find a way to unlock the doors. And of course, the only way to do that is to disable a panel behind these massive turbines located around on the exterior of the building. Uh, So how does Dwayne Johnson get that? Uh, Of course, it's a little more duct tape. And Charlie, this uh, was probably (laughs) one of my favorite stunts in the movie. But he, like, suction cups his way (laughs) around (laughs) this massive 100 flights up. Suction cups using duct tape around the wall of a building. It was incredible. Incredible. And, And not only did he do that, when he finally made his way to these gigantic turbines, they're spinning, I mean, they're huge, but they're spinning slowly enough that it's so ominous. And basically he has to time his jump so that he doesn't get sliced in half 
by these huge turbines that power the entire building. Um, so he, you know, he's able to do that. Obviously, some things go wrong, and it leads to him hang- once again hanging off nice. uh, the end of a rope with like one hand. I, that happens a lot in this movie, uh, but I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, he- uh, but he's able to open the door, and he decides he's going to work with the architect on a plan to rescue his daughter and keep the thumb drive. Now, <laughs> this is where, like, plot-wise, I was a little confused. They, 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 yeah, I got lost, too. They make it to the roof, and they confront the bad guys, who I guess have just been waiting up there uh, with the daughter. And they've come up with some plan where Dwayne Johnson has is holding the architect with his hands, the architect's hands duct tape behind his back. And he says, I'm, I'll, you know, I'll trade you the thumb drive for my daughter. Um, but we want a parachute first. So they're sort of doing hostage negotiations, but then like crap hits the fan immediately. Uh, because the architect, I guess, decides that he's going to just do whatever he wants instead of following the plan. And this is, you and I talked a little bit about this, you're right, this isn't clear, because they hatch a plan to get both of them what they want, to get Dwayne Johnson's daughter and the architect the thumb drive. The plan initially is Dwayne Johnson is going to like take him out and duct tape handcuffs and be like, okay, give me my daughter. But then when the architect turns against him and grabs Dwayne Johnson's gun, he says, this isn't part of the plan. <laughs> but then after everything happens and they are able to get what they need, and the bad guys are taken care of. He goes, man, you even had me fooled on that one. So I'm not sure. Like, was this the plan the whole time? Well, that's. it seems like it was a fake double cross. But then Dwayne Johnson appears to imply that it actually was a betrayal. Like, it seemed to me like the plan was for the architect to do this fake out, grab the gun. But then the character of Will goes to the architect and is like you you made me like i i could not figure no, that, out no that's why i think that's why i think i i think he said that because it's like man you followed the plan and your acting was so good that you even fooled me i don't think he was saying wow that wasn't part of the plan i do think that was part of the plan and oh. i don't know so was the plan that he was going to grab the gun and then the thumb drive was going to get tossed into the Hall of Mirrors and they were going to have a shootout in the Hall of Mirrors. Okay. And By the way, we have not even talked about the Hall of Mirrors, <laughs> which is a crime that we haven't talked about the Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> this is such a throwback thing, you know. Um, the original ending of Face Off was supposed to happen in a Hall of Mirrors. But this is like a Hall of Mirrors on the strongest steroids man can buy like the entire upper (laughs) floor the dome of this skyscraper he says the architect says it at one point it's covered in like like you know five thousand hd screens um but for some reason and i don't get this really they have the capability to project mirror images of things happening within the room which seems like why would you ever need it to do that it just seems like a really comp like literally mirrors would do the same job. But anyway, the <laughs> the last fight is in this big old dome full of these HD panels and we just see person after person just shoot out mirrors that they think are Dwayne Johnson and it ends with the standoff of the main bad guy holding Dwayne Johnson's daughter about to push her off the building and they have like a conversation and Dwayne Johnson punctuates it with, "Well, there's only one problem." 
I'm actually behind you. <laughs> and then the dude turns around and Dwayne Johnson pushes him off the building and grabs his daughter. But my thing is, why did he have the whole conversation if he was standing right behind the guy the whole time? Right. And also, this is what, you know, I have an issue with this. How convincing is a mirror really? If I'm, if someone is speaking behind me, I think I right. know <laughs> where they are. Like, I'm not going to be... I didn't even think about Like, that. spatially, our bodies have the capability... Of like directional... To know where sound is coming from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like he was essentially talking right in his ear. Yes, he was he right he behind was... him. He was with. He was close enough that he could reach him from a single kick. Yeah. <laughs> he could probably smell Dwayne Johnson behind him. I don't know. Oh, I know. Seriously. But all this goes on while the fire is raging and Dwayne Johnson is able to grab his daughter. But here's the problem. Now they're stuck at the top of this burning building. And this is where I actually think that Dwayne Johnson's acting was the best in this movie. Without saying a single word, the look in his eyes and his face, his facial expressions convey such a sense of fear, but he's also trying to stay strong for his daughter. He has burn marks all over one side of his body from the explosion that took away his leg. So he has like a really troubled history with fire anyway. I just thought it really was effective. Yeah, it, he he reminded me of... It was like a like the expression of like a trapped animal, which is so far beyond. Like it was so primal. Uh, the fear was so real, and also at the same time of of showing this, you know, this adult fear. At the same time, trying to show that he's caring for his daughter and keeping her calm. It was this very interesting dichotomy, but he nailed it, absolutely nailed. It. And the score, I just want to say, this is not something I think I've we might have really ever talked for a a Dwayne Johnson movie. I thought that the orchestral score in this moment was so beautiful and so perfect. It like it literally heightened the moment for me. I was b- yeah. blown away in the last few minutes of this movie. I I noticed it too and it's something that Dwayne Johnson actually gave a shout out to on Twitter the other day. And it's something that I think a lot of movies they don't put in the money to hire great composers because I think music really can have a really dynamic effect on a movie. Uh, All you have to do is look at the James Bond franchise to know that. This is the first time I think I've noticed it as well. But guess who really is the savior at the end of the day? It's Neve Campbell who's able to like hack the iPad and turn off the fire? (laughs) Question mark? Yeah, that was kind of hazy. She's like on the ground with the police, has the iPad, and, and yeah, there's like a fire off button essentially it seems in this Really, it must be an amazing building if it can just end fire no matter how. Immediately. I mean, there's fire from the 90th floor to like the 400th or whatever, but this, you know. And it's been burning all night <laughs> and it still has maintained its structural integrity. Yeah, it's, it's like, pretty incredible. <laughs> nobody's worried like, oh my gosh, this, these floors could collapse any second now. <laughs> They're not worried about that. They're just like, oh man, well, thank God this fire is gone. All right, let's get in the elevator and get the heck out of here. <laughs> God, but but we do at least, you know, in in very typical Dwayne Johnson fashion, it's a it's a happy ending, um, which we know is sort of an important thing for him, especially in the seven bucks era. Um, but we do, and I'm I'm glad we both had this this uh, we both had the same observation here. The final one of the final phrases of the movie echoes something that we've already heard before in a Dwayne Johnson film. Dwayne Johnson, uh, his family, and the architect are flying out of Hong Kong and they're looking over the you know the burnt wreckage of the skyscraper and Dwayne Johnson goes asks the architect he goes well what are you going to do now 
and he gives a you know long pause and he says rebuild, which is exactly <laughs> what Dwayne Johnson said at the end of San Andreas. And now it's time to ask ourselves the age-old question, do we want to see a sequel of this movie? And to answer that question, we have a formula, and it's called the Franchise Viagra Test. Franchise Viagra. <laughs> the Franchise Viagra Test is made up of three components, and those are hard work, charisma, and physique. Hard work. I think that Dwayne Johnson was working really hard playing an amputee. You could see it in the way he walked. You could see it in the way he ran. At one point, he has to do a fight scene all on one leg. It's a lot of stuff that we haven't seen from Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I think he passes. What do you think, Jordan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that this, finally, we've seen a movie challenge him on his physique. So many times, we're asked to believe that he is this perfect physical specimen. But this movie, from the get-go... Um, tells us to forget about it. And I think that he did a fantastic job with a pretty challenging demand. Passes for me. Uh, Charisma. Once again, Will Sawyer, great guy. Uh, And he actually provides us some more depth than uh, we get from a lot of Dwayne Johnson characters. I think his chemistry with Neve Campbell is also really great. And you can see why a lady like Neve would fall in love with him. Uh, So I think he passes here. He's also a great dad. Full pass for me. Yep, I have nothing to add. Passes on charisma. Not only likable, um, but I believed every step of the way that he cared about the people around him. And physique, this is a little bit different than we've gotten from him before. You know, obviously we're not getting shirtless Dwayne Johnson. Uh, We do get to see great feats of strength from him that would require an amazing physique. But of course, this is the first time that we've ever seen him play a physically disabled person. And I thought he did it convincingly. And uh, once again, a full pass from me. Yep, these stunts were as good as anything we've seen him do, uh, and they weren't aided by cars or or tanks or other set pieces. He played a lot of this movie against himself, uh, a lot of just Dwayne Johnson and and working the set. Um, and I thought he did a fantastic job. So again, uh, I agree with you, full pass. I think the biggest skyscraper was in his mind the whole time. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that answers the question. We would want to see the further adventures of, of Will Sawyer. I don't know what that would look like. Uh, but whatever you know, whatever movie he's going to be in, uh, I'm on board. Who knows if they're making a sequel? But that seems to be the trend in Hollywood these days. Uh, Jordan, what are your final thoughts on Skyscraper? Final thoughts is that Uh, To echo sort of how we began this episode, um, I had such high expectations. Uh, They were, uh, it was a real roller coaster over the last year, but um, with the success of his last few movies, I wanted this to be good. And holy cow, it was so much fun. Um, You don't get to just, I mean, I mean, look, I'm at a loss for words, Charlie. Like this, it, it, I, I was so blown away. By the emotions this movie had me feel from uh, just fun, goofy stunt like summer action movie to actually caring about him as a father and the role that he was portraying. I am uh, so impressed and uh, I walk away feeling enlightened. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one thing to keep in mind about this movie is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a B movie, but it's like knocked it out of the park. In that it's not really reaching for anything groundbreaking. It's nothing that we really haven't seen before in Hollywood. We've seen similar movies like this. Obviously, Towering Inferno and Die Hard are two examples that come to mind and two examples that Dwayne Johnson has, you know, gone on and on about. But this was so perfectly executed that 
it was able to be a B-movie without manufacturing artificial camp. And it just felt spot on. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think um, sometimes the dialogue was a little clunky. You know, the, the duct tape line, I, I didn't like that much. Um, and then at one point, one of the bad guys says, clever boys like you always think you can be clever. <laughs> so sometimes it didn't quite you know, hit every little beat exactly 100% right, but that's okay. Uh, and we didn't talk about this at all, and I am shocked. We got to see Dwayne Johnson with a sword yes. at the end Ooh, of this movie. Oh my God, we do get sword. Yes. It's it's brief, but it is glorious. So I guess the sword was part of the plan. So maybe it was part of the plan the whole time. Love this movie. When it comes time to rank these movies, where do you put it, Jordan? Charlie, I have been up all night thinking about where to rank Skyscraper. I believe that this movie puts so much of what he's done in an additional context. I think this cements... A, a certain section of his movies, to including even something like Baywatch, I think it elevates, um, Rampage, San Andreas to an extent, uh, Hercules to an extent. Um, these sort of like, like you said, can't be, but this to me puts it in a new, I have a new lens by which I view them. I think that I view it as more of a purposeful choice by Dwayne Johnson to make movies like this. And I think that's something that no one else in Hollywood is doing. But when I would rank it... Um, I look to the top of my rankings. I have Furious 7 at number one. I have Fast Five at number two. I have San Andreas at number three. Charlie Skyscraper is my new number two Dwayne Johnson movie of all time. It'll be between Furious 7 and Fast Five. I did not think going into this podcast that a movie would uh, <laughs> would unseat either of those, but this one does. It's that much fun. I would watch it again tonight. Uh, I'm considering finding a way to do that before I go to Mexico. Um, but yeah, I loved it. What about you? For me, uh, my number one is Fast Five. I don't think it knocks it off the top of that list. But then after that, we have Fast Seven, followed by Fast Six. Got a lot of fast movies at the top of my rankings. And then after that, we're looking at Jumanji. And that's sort of like, hmm, do I like this movie better than Jumanji? And I, I'm going to say, I, I don't know. You're talking about rewatching this tonight somehow. <laughs> I don't know that I need to rewatch this movie. I don't think it's as audacious as the Fast and Furious movies. I have the box set and I watch them frequently. I don't think that this will offer that, but it does offer a lot more, uh, you know, nuanced Dwayne Johnson performance. I'm going to put it below Jumanji at my number four spot ahead of the rundown. So uh, the rundown is one of my favorite Dwayne Johnson movies, but this one obviously beats it for me. So that is my new number four favorite rock movie. Thank you again for listening. Uh, that does it for our episode on Skyscraper. Uh, go see it. It's a blast. You heard us talk about it for the last hour. And while you're at it, go follow us on social media. What do you think you're doing listening to this podcast, not following our dope freaking twitter and instagram and facebook pages we're on facebook at facebook.com slash rock talk pod we are at twitter at rock talk pod and we are on instagram at rock talk pod so go follow us on those sites so you know what we're up to at all times and i say it every week but if you haven't given us a five-star review on itunes really really are you kidding me <laughs> it's about time so go on itunes leave us a five-star review it's the number one thing you can do to help jabronis like us. Join us in two weeks as we look at the Gal Godot masterpiece 
as we resume our fast family vacation, we'll be talking about the one, the only, Wonder Woman. Join us then, jabronis. <laughs> 